Hey friend, this is Ben Liston, Senior Pastor of the Stanton First Church of God. I want to personally thank you for joining us today here on our podcast. I hope the message is challenging, encouraging, and builds your faith. Now enjoy the message. We're going to continue our series in the book of Romans. In fact, we come down to the last week of Romans chapter 8, the last few verses, and we're going to look at verses 31 through 39. So if you would turn there with me, or you can also pull, go to our website, www.stantonfcog.com. At the very top of the page is a tab that says Sunday Notes. If you'll just click on that tab, you'll be able to follow along with the outline for today's message. Romans chapter 8, begin reading in verse number 31. The Bible says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy, inerrant, infallible word. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this opportunity to be in this place, to worship you, to lift your name high. And Lord, I pray today that you would speak to our hearts as we now open your word. We need encouragement today. We need you to speak to us today. So our hearts and our minds and our ears are open and waiting for you to speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would use me as your mouthpiece. Anoint me once again. Sanctify me once again. Cleanse me of sin. And Lord, may everything that's said be what you want to be said today. Lord, would you show us something great and wonderful through your word today. May we leave here saying, it was so good to be at church today. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for all that you have done. And it's in your precious name that we pray. And the drive-in crowd said, Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but this has been a, an exciting spiritual journey over the last five weeks. As we have been walking through Romans chapter 8, we have seen the amazing work of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. We have seen that through the sacrifice of Jesus and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we are set free from the bondage of sin. 
We are set free from the slavery of sin. Also, the Holy Spirit is working inside of us and he is changing us each and every day from the inside out. Also, the Holy Spirit is enabling us to overcome the flesh in our everyday lives. But also we see that we have been given uh, this promise that we will be comforted through the groaning that we experience while here on earth. But also we see the wonderful promise that all of the stuff that happens in our lives will work together for our good. But today we come down to uh, what I would consider is the ironclad promise of God. And what I hope you understand today and what I hope you will discover is exactly what Paul understood and discovered as he's writing this letter to the church at Rome. And it starts with that line or that phrase he uses in verse number 38. For I am convinced. Now, if you were to look that up into other translations, one might say, I am persuaded. Or I, one even says, I am bent toward. One says, I am convinced. They all might say something just a little bit different, but it all means the same. It all means that Paul, and I hope you and I today, will know that God loves us in spite of all of the stuff going on around us. You say, well, pastor, that's a rather elementary thing. I know that God loves me. Well, that's all fine and dandy. I'm glad that you know that God loves you. But in the times in which we live today, it is easy for the enemy to get a foothold in our lives and try to make us think that God is a thousand miles away, that he is not with us and that he does not love us because if he loved us, we wouldn't have to deal with all of this stuff. So, what is this? This convincing argument that Paul makes. Here it is. Number one, God is for us. God is for us. Look, Look with me at verse number 31 again. It says, what then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, then who is against us? Now, he poses the question here. What then shall we say of these things? What does that mean, these things? Well, we have to look above these two verses or this verse to understand what these things means. He's referring back to verses 28 through 30. What shall we say of these things? What shall we say of all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose? What what do we say to these things like verse number 29 that we have been predestined to be like Christ, those that are in Christ? What shall we say of these things? That he has called us and he has also justified us. Well, then he, Paul answers his own question with another question. What shall we say to these things? Then he asks another question. If God is for us, who is against us? If God is for us and he is, to summarize these verses, or preferably this verse, To fully understand this, we must remember what has already been said 
Again, Romans 8, 28 through Romans 30. And that God is working everything together for our good by his provisions for us. You see, I want to challenge you to wake up every day knowing, knowing that God is working everything together for our good. There is no need for us to fear. For our loving Father desires what is best for us. And He is for us. Even if we must go through great trials to understand this and for Him to draw close, we must know that whatever we deal with, whatever we face, it is for our good and that God is for us. Do you remember what God told Israel when they were in captivity through the prophet Jeremiah? He said these words, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. God providing, He is proving that He is for us. He is proving that He is for us. And as we go through the, out the next few verses, we're going to understand that He's for us by the plan He implemented from the foundations of the world. Verse 32, look with me there. He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him over for us all, how will He not also with Him freely give us all things? How is God for us? Well, verse 32 answers the question by sending Christ to die for us. There's one verse of Scripture that I've never been able to get over. And it's that one that's in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How do I know that God is for me? Because even in my sin, when I was living as a sinner, Christ died for me. If God, when we were sinners, don't miss this, if God, when we were sinners, gave us His best by giving us His Son, now that we are His children, you can be rest assured He will give us all that we need. God freely gives all things to His children. Now, many people, here's the hang up with this. Many people don't believe God really loves them until He gives them something. Until He gives them something. In addition to salvation, in addition to Christ, they will say something like this. If God really loved me, then he would give me a baby, a nice house, he, my health back. He would give me wealth, a better job, a promotion, a husband, a wife. And the list goes on and on and on and on. But here's the question. Do you actually need some physical or material things to perfect the gift of Christ? We have an attitude like this. When we have an attitude like this, what we are really saying is that the gift of Christ isn't that impressive until I get my other stuff first. 
Many people say, if God loved me, if, if God really loved me, he would give me. I want to challenge you today. Resist that temptation. There is no if when it comes to God's love for us. He proved it at the cross of Calvary. He proved his love for us. And he proved that he is for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will we not also with him freely give us all things? The blessings of life, the, the material things that God blesses us with, it all starts with the spiritual. And in this season of gratitude that we should be in right now with thanksgiving, if we cannot be thankful for the spiritual gifts God has given us, we will completely misinterpret and misunderstand the physical blessings that God gives us. God is for us. And how is that? He is for us by sending Jesus to die for us. But also, verse 33, He is for us by justifying us through Christ. Look at verse number 33. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. This verse means that we have, uh, that we have been declared by God as righteous in Christ and His work on the cross. Satan tries to accuse us, but we stand righteous before Jesus, or in Jesus Christ before the Father. We are God's elect, meaning we are chosen in Christ and accepted in Christ. Once we accept Christ as our Savior, we are now a part of God's elect, God's family, the church. And we stand righteous before the Father because of the work of Christ. So it is God who does the justifying. God is for us. How do we know that God is for us? Well, verse 34, again, by Christ interceding for us. Look at verse number 34. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Now, here in Romans chapter 8, there's a dual intercession going on. The first one we saw was back in verses 25 through, or I'm sorry, verses 18 through 25. We see the interceding of the Holy Spirit. Remember the verse says that the Holy Spirit is groaning for us. So we see that intercession. But also we see the intercession of Christ here in verse number 34. We see that our Savior is he is actually standing before the Father, pleading our case before Him. He is standing there with the sacrifice of His blood, and He, he is continually presenting it to the Father. And the Father accepts it. He is interceding. He is our advocate. Let me put it to you this way. Christ is our attorney. He's our lawyer. But he's one that won't take your money. Somebody honk right there. That was good. 
All right. <laughs> but he is our attorney. He is our advocate before the Father. So God is for us. Why? Because Christ is interceding for us. Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This all means that Christ represents us before the Father. And we do not have Uh, to represent ourselves before the Father. He forgives us and extends grace to us through our intercessor, through our advocate, Jesus Christ. God is for us. But secondly, I want you to see in the chapter, not only is God for us, but Christ loves us. Look at verse number 35 with me. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered a sheep to be slaughtered. Christ loves us and the question is, can anything separate us? From the love of Christ. Paul now writes that we must never interpret interpret the darkness of our earthly life as evidence that God lacks love for us. Nothing we do can keep Christ from loving us. And nothing that happens to us can keep Christ from loving us. Now, Paul builds a list of some of the worst things that can happen in this life, including trials and hardships, persecution of our faith in Him, hunger, a lack of clothing or shelter, physical threats, or death by violence. But none of this, none of this can separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. Christ himself warned us of the trial and the tribulation that would come. He warned us of the persecution and the difficulties that would come. He told his disciples, he said, they hate me. They don't like me. They're persecuting me. And one day they will do the same to you. But he also reminded his disciples where our peace is found. And in John 16 verse 33 he said, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. Christ loves us. And through his love for us, we can have peace in all of the junk we face. 
God's people have always endured their share of suffering. Those that God clearly loved in the past have endured the same type of things. That's why there's a reference here to the Old Testament scripture in verse 36. For your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered a sheep to be slaughtered. If you feel like the vice of life is tightening around you and your life, can I tell you as a believer, the vice of life has been tightening around every believer since the beginning of time. And if God was with those who came before us and who endured before us, then God will be with and he loves us today. Don't misunderstand that none of this COVID-19 and none of this has anything to do with whether or not God loves us. He has proved his love. The second thing I want you to notice about Christ's love for us is that we overcome by and we are convinced of Christ's love. Look at verse 37. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. In verse 35, Paul listed several terrible things that might happen to us in this life. His point was is that none of them could separate us who love Christ and who are in Christ. Nothing so terrible could ever happen to us that would keep us from being in Christ or keep us from loving or keep Christ from loving us. But now he writes that in all those things we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. Now, the description here that he uses in verse number 37 uh, comes from a Greek phrase that gives us, this is the description, the meaning of that Greek phrase. It is a phrase which carries the idea of extraordinary, exceeding victory in a continual state. To perpetually increase in triumph. Does this mean, does this mean, does this mean that none of these troubles will ever happen to us or that we can eliminate them in this life? No, no, clearly not. Rather, those who are saved by faith in Christ conquer all those troubles and trials and the things that come against us. Why? Because of Christ's love for us. The battle was fought on the cross and it was won the day that Christ walked out of the tomb. So therefore, since Christ has been victorious, all of those that are in Him are victorious through whatever we face in life. Verse 38, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, 
nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. We conquer because none of these things can overcome what God's love has brought to us. And that is salvation. Now in conclusion, the next time the enemy tries to tell you that you are not loved or what you are going through is because you are not loved, remember the cross. When the doctor gives you the bad news, remember the cross. When your friends make fun of you because of your stand on Scripture, remember the cross. When you're at the bedside of a loved one who is taking their final breath, remember the cross. When, when there is no food in your refrigerator and no money in the bank and you feel like God doesn't love you, remember the cross. Why? Because it was at the cross that God proved His love for us and the veil was ripped from top to bottom and there is now no separation between God and man because Christ is the one who is the gateway to God the Father. Christ is the one who's the gateway to blessing. Christ is the one, is the, Christ is the gateway to, to salvation. Christ loves us and there is no separation. We are more than conquerors because of what Christ has done for us. Remember the cross. Remember God's love for you. Paul, in that verse 37, says, I am convinced. I am persuaded. My question for you today is, are you convinced? Are you confident in God's love for you? If you are in Christ and you are walking with Christ and you remain in Christ, nothing can separate you from the love of God. But it all started at the cross. And were it not for love, for the love of the Father, you and I would not have any hope of eternity. We would not have any peace in this world. But it was at the cross is where love was shown, it was displayed for all the world to see. And love lifted us. It pulled us out, as the old Church of God heritage hymn says, He lifted me out of the deep miry clay. He settled my feet on the straight, narrow way. And as that other great hymn says, Love lifted me. Love has lifted you up to where there is no separation between you 
and the Father. You rest in that today. Be assured of that today. Hey friend, thanks again for listening. I hope this message was a blessing to you. For more information about our church, go to our website at www.stantonfcog.com. You can also join us on Facebook at Stanton First Church of God. If this message helped you in any way, hit the share button below. Thanks again for listening, and always remember, God loves you, and so do I.